Well, good morning. Welcome to worship. Today we are continuing the sermon series we kicked off uh, back around uh, just after Labor Day as we're reading through our Merce Bibles, the section of the Bible um, the, the, called the Kingdoms, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, and First and Second Kings. And um, each week we're reading through portions of this with a reading plan. And today the sermon is based on a passage that we're going to be reading this coming week. And it's out of First Samuel chapter 16. But before I read this, I want to tell you what I'm going to be doing today. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to be talking about. I'm going to be talking about the most important thing there is about you or me or anybody else that you ever meet. Got your attention? Okay. I'm going to talk to you about what is most important to God, what God values the most. To get there, I want to take you back to a very decisive moment in the ancient history of Israel. It's the year 1000 BC, and the nation of Israel is desperate, desperate for a leader to guide them through a, a, a difficult time. The context is this the people of the country are divided and they're fighting. The economy is chaotic. There is serious competition outside of their walls, outside of their borders, and there's moral decay within. And in the middle of all this going on, God sends Samuel to go to the house of Jesse, which is one of the most well-known and famous houses in all of Israel. And there God tells Samuel to anoint the individual whom God knows has the right stuff, the stuff that's needed to provide the leadership that Israel so desperately has. So let's pick this story up in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab. Eliab is one of the, the sons. And thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one that the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimea, but Samuel said, Neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So what was it about this youngest son of Jesse that made him the one that God chose to use, to to be anointed, to be the next king, the next leader of Israel? I mean, what was it about him? I mean, Jesse doesn't even consider him when Samuel shows up. It was like, are these all the sons? Oh, yeah, there's one more. I, I, almost like he'd forgotten about him. Didn't even consider him. And, and he says, yes, there's, there's one more. So what was it about David that made him the one? What was it when God looked at his life and scanned his life? What attracted God to, to David? Was it simply because he had a good outward appearance? He was dark and handsome with 
beautiful eyes? Was it because he was athletic, could handle a slingshot well? Because he, was it because he had a charismatic personality that attracted people to him? Was it that he was a fine musician or he was bright and creative and, and could craft all sorts of beautiful poems and psalms that we still sing and read today? What was it? When there were more obvious choices, why was David the one? Well, the text answers us very clearly, very straightforwardly. It says, human beings, we, we judge by the outward appearance. But God, God looks at the heart. You see, good looks, athleticism, personality, artistic ability, music ability, brains, all those things are wonderful gifts from God. We should celebrate them, but those gifts are valuable to God only to the extent that they are being operated by a person with a certain kind of heart. I mean, the world has no, no shortage of gifted, good-looking people, right? You look in the mirror every day and like, yeah, you know, so... But why did God choose and use David? I mean, as we read through this in the, in the next few days, we're going to see more of his story. And David's story isn't always these highlights, you know, killing Goliath, defeating thousands of Philistines, leading God's army, writing beautiful songs, writing beautiful poems. It also involves things like committing adultery with Bathsheba. Arranging for her husband to be on the front lines where he would be sure to be killed in battle. He kind of messed some things up with his sons. He favored Absalom and Absalom kind of went to the wild side and rebelled. So what was it about David? Well, we see the answer in the book of Acts, chapter 13, where the, the text says, after removing Saul... God made David their king, saying, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do all I want him to do. And the writer then says, from this man's descendants, from David's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, as he promised. So the implication seems to be that having the right heart, having the right heart is the start of being used of God. Having the right heart is the start of of salvation. And, and don't we want to see the salvation of our world? I mean, don't we want to see the salvation of our country and our, our communities, our families, our, our children? Don't we long to see the, the church of Jesus Christ become the salt and light in the community that we're supposed to be? Don't we want to see the part of our, our, our lives, our workplace, our schools, our neighborhoods become better because of our influence? If the answer is yes to those questions, then, then we must turn off the celebrities. We must turn down the music. We must tune out the shrieking pundits. We must ignore all the trivial Twitter and pay more attention to the condition of our heart. See, God designed human nature and our world to work wonderfully together so long as our hearts are in sync with his. God's heart is meant to supply and to resupply. God's heart is meant to be the pacemaker that guides the rhythm of our lives. God's heart was meant to be the ultimate reality that influences who we are, what we value, what we say, what we think. And so therefore, the most important question I can ask you today is how is your heart? What is the condition 
of your heart? Is it in sync with God's? Now, before we go there, there's a more primary question we need to ask. What exactly do we mean when I say your heart? We're not obviously talking about the muscle behind your breastplate. We're not talking about the heart in the emotional sense. We often think of that, you know, the heart wants what the heart wants, that sort of thing. You know, we, we think of the heart as being the place where we have these emotions, these powerful emotions and feelings that emanate from there. But the Bible, when the Bible tries to get to the place of our emotions or feelings, it uses the word mind, not the heart. Our mind, according to the Bible, is a place where ideas and emotions reside and are intertwined. And we never have a feeling that isn't in some way fashioned by an underlying thought. Let me explain. Say I'm at a conference and there's a break between seminars or speakers. And I walk out, you know, and they have all the refreshments, um, a coffee or ice tea or something like that. And then there's usually some food, you know, and a lot of times they'll have cookies or fruit Sometimes they have those wonderful little donut holes dripping with, you know, chocolate uh, glaze. And, you know, say I, I, I'm excited about this, so I get in line and I look around and it's pretty clear that they underestimated how many people are going to come. And so I'm thinking, I hope I get to the line before the donut holes run out. And then a group of people cut in front of me and, and I get kind of annoyed. I get a little frustrated, maybe even a little bit angry. And, and I think... They're supposed to wait their turn. That's cheating. I was here first. And that, that feeling, that, that, that anger, that frustration, it comes from a thought. When I get there, the donut holes are all going to be gone. But the heart, the heart is different than that. The heart can be influenced by our mind, by my thoughts, by my feelings. But it's far more often the other way around. It's usually the condition of my heart that determines the thoughts that I have and the feelings that I have. So if my heart is basically oriented towards myself, towards my own needs, towards protecting what I have, then my thoughts and feelings are going to flow a certain way when I'm cut off in the donut line. But if my heart is oriented toward receiving life as a gift if it's oriented toward being a blessing to others, even when they don't deserve it, then my thoughts and feelings are going to flow in a very different direction. That's why Proverbs says this. Above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life. In other words, the character and condition of our heart determines what flows out of our hearts, how we think, how we feel, how we act. In fact, as Dallas Willard, the theologian and philosopher, put it, the Bible uses the words heart, will, and spirit interchangeable. That's why we say things like, well, his heart wasn't it, or she lost her spirit, or he didn't have the will. We're saying the same thing. Your heart isn't just one isolated aspect of you. It is the central, motivating, life-determining thing about you. And when you look through the Scripture... The subject of the heart is addressed in the Bible more than, more than any other topic. Works, service, obedience, belief, money, even worship. Why? Because that's what truly matters to God is the condition of your heart. Dallas Willard, going back to him, says this. Our life and how we find the world now and in the future is almost totally 
a simple result of what we have become in the depths of our being. From there, we see our world and interpret reality. From there, we make our choices, break forth into action, try to change our world. We live from our depths. We live from our heart. It's what truly is most important, what matters most to God. What does Jesus have to say about this? Well, we go to an encounter that Jesus has with the Pharisees in Matthew 15. And the story, the Pharisees are coming at Jesus. They're complaining and railing about how poorly his disciples are are following the ceremonial uh, deals they're supposed to do when they when they come to worship. They're not washing their hands properly. They're not they're doing things wrong. And, and, and in their mind, this is really crucial to what it means to to follow and obey God. Now, we, we often think of the Pharisees in a negative sense. You know, the old song, I don't want to be a Pharisee. But but these these guys, they were kind of thought of as really religious, faithful people. I mean, they washed not only their hands, but everything they touched before eating. They, they ate only at the kosher training table. They avoided being around certain people. They were trying to be as holy as possible. They were brilliant people who studied the scriptures. They sang the Psalms, the codes of Israel. If the doors of the synagogue were open, they were there. They were faithful. In other words, they were a lot like some of us, maybe. They looked cleaner. They talked cleaner. They kept their Sabbath cleaner. They kept their website filters cleaner. They watched their shows, cleaner shows. They, they could see the world might be better off if everybody did more like they did. And maybe they were right. But there was a problem. The problem was that the Lord looks at the heart. The God does not judge as we do. And what did God see when he looked at the heart of the Pharisees? Well, for example, there's this little rule they had called Corban. And what Corban was is they would take um, certain things and they would dedicate it to God. This is for God's use. I'm setting this aside for God. And, and apparently they started to misuse this. They would take some money and set it aside. And then if mom or dad or a relative came to them and said, hey, I, I've got some needs. Could you help me? And they could help them. But they'd say, no, no, I, I really would like to help you out. But... You know, this, this money over here, this IRA, this, 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 this house or whatever, it's been set aside for God's use. So, you know, sorry. I mean, God comes before you. And in doing this, they were revealing two things about themselves. First, their hearts really were not oriented towards God's commands, honoring their parents. And secondly, the Pharisees believed that appearing to do God's will was the same thing as actually doing God's will. And Jesus doesn't buy this. Jesus rejects this with strong language. He, wrote, he said, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. They do all these religious activities. They show up for the synagogue. They do all these things, but they do it in vain. Their hearts are far from me. You know, if our hearts are in sync with God, then our thoughts are going to flow in certain directions. We will work to preserve sacred life. We will respect marriage covenants. We will honor sexual boundaries. 
We will work for and steward our money wisely. We will embrace the truth. We will care for our neighbors and those who are foreigners amongst us. Our belief will flow out of our hearts. Our behavior will flow out of our hearts. But if our hearts are not in sync with God's, then we could end up very easily being like the Pharisees, looking pretty good on the outside, but far from God on the inside. So what's truly important to God? It's the heart. So how is your heart this morning? How do you want your heart to be? Is your heart in sync with the heart of God? You know, I want to encourage you to do something with me this week. It's something that David did. I think we can learn from it. It's something he did. It's recorded in Psalm 139. David asked God to do a heart scan. Remember what he said? He said, search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So I encourage you this week to do that. Just each day, simply just ask God, do a heart scan. Where is my heart not in sync with yours? What are the things I value that are not important to you? What are the things that I, I don't embrace that you embrace? Let's ask God to do a a heart scan. And also King David said this. Let us make this our prayer. Create in me, O Lord, a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Let's ask the Lord to do that. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence. And we thank you for the example of, of David. Lord, your word tells us that he was a man after your own heart. He was far from perfect. He had some big flaws. And yet, Lord, there was something about him. He, he wanted to honor you. He wanted to be right with you. And when he failed, he was, he was stricken in his conscience. And he repented. And he sought your face humbly. Lord, I pray for each one of us that you would do a heart scan. Reveal to us where we have hypocrisy. Expose to us, Lord, the areas where we need to be made new. Uh, and then, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to walk in your strength and in your power. Help us remember what is most important to you truly. It's not... The good things we do, it's not our outward appearance. Ultimately, what is most important to you is what makes us who we are. It's our hearts. So, Lord, we come into your presence now, and we ask for your help and your strength that you would put within us a new and clean heart. In Jesus' name, amen.